0: Welcome to the Filament Games podcast, a show dedicated to game-based learning. Here are your hosts, Brandon Pitzer and Dan Norton.
1: All right, (laughs) hey everybody! (laughs) Welcome to the Filament Games podcast. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Brandon Pitzer. I do the marketing at Filament Games, and I'm Dan
0: Norton. I don't. I don't do the marketing
1: nor should you, uh, this is, hey, <laughs> with us. Mean?
0: <laughs> I mean, with catchy, uh, with given how well I describe myself, I think it seems obvious I'd be great at marketing.
1: That's true. Yeah, I, I take it all back. You know what? <laughs> You do the marketing from now on. I'll design the games.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> All
1: right. Uh, th- that was it, was my whole ruse, actually. That was like a, yeah. you walked right into my trap. Yeah. It's um, like it's actually, it's
0: been recorded it yeah, yeah.
1: I want it out. Um, and now yeah. I'm out. <laughs> okay. So uh, with us today as well uh, is Colin Skinner. Um, he is uh, a game designer at Film and Games, lead game designer mm-hmm. on. The main subject of today's podcast, which is RoboCo Sports League, a version of RoboCo that we are releasing on the Roblox platform, a new kind of digital robotics experience uh, with multiplayer out of the box. It's super cool. Um, So uh, a brief introduction to Colin. He appreciates the unique power of games as tools for learning about systems. He enjoys studying real life systems and devising game mechanics that illustrate their behavior. And he also likes playing Ultimate Frisbee, kiteboarding, and cooking tasty Chinese food. Before he became interested in making educational games, he was an instructional designer and science writer. Yeah. Hi. That's all accurate. Yeah. Thanks for that. So there you have it. Um, All right. So uh, before we get into the business of today's podcast, we're going to start with our standard housekeeping item of what are you guys playing? Are you playing video games? And if so, which video games are they? And what do they make you think about?
0: Uh, let's see. I have been... I think I mentioned this last time. I've been in a bit of a gameplay freefall. There hasn't been a lot of things. There's really no game, I would say, that's like taken up meaningful real estate in my brain. Um, I did get into the Marvel Snap beta. Which is Marvel the most Snap. Game, Marvel okay. Snap. Uh, designed by former former... Uh, hearthstone designer ben brode all right that 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 broads well it does spread Broad's well indeed uh i actually think if you're talking about how to make like a micro-sized mobile card game be like still a worthwhile experience like i think marvel snap is the ticket all right uh it has a lot of really smart decisions about how to make a game of Marvel Snap go by real smooth and silky and interestingly.
1: Interesting, uh, yeah. I'm seeing some coverage here on the PC Gamer site. Um, yeah, this looks really cool, actually. Yeah. So, are you, so is it going to be like uh, mobile first? I assume, just like Hearthstone, or
0: I think it's even more so. I think it's like okay. maybe. If you are going to be running a non-mobile, you are running some weird emulated setup. Oh, sure, you are on BlueStack Uh, or something
1: weird like that. It is definitely a phone-first experience. Cool. All right. Well, you know that. I mean, I do enjoy a good mobile game for like the you know the low barrier to entry, the pick up and play kind of nature of that, and you know that's a very strong pedigree um, with Ben Brode involved.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I recommend it. I think it's uh, it's it's good stuff. interesting Interesting. yeah it's still got deck building you still are making interesting decisions there's like hearthstone there's a lot of randomness that is you know mostly a feels good random very rarely a feels bad random which is hard to do so uh i guess if there's any drawback because like i don't actually care about marvel at all so There's Mm. like a a lot of the longer term Mm. reward structures that are like, get alternate
1: art of Gamora. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I just don't actually care about that. Yeah. So some of these characters I'm seeing, even in the screenshots, I'm like, "Eh, that's less less compelling to me. Um, But, you know,
2: Marvel is evergreen, it's not going anywhere. Colin, what are you playing? Yeah. I'm playing a game called Neon White. Um, Okay. Which I would kind of describe as like a speed running game, I guess. Um, it's actually really similar to to Mirror's Edge, kind of a cult classic that came back a while back. But yeah, if anyone is looking for more in that vein, Neon White's pretty dope. Awesome. Um, um, yeah, more of an emphasis on the shooting, um, but they do it in a in a in a way where it fits in really really seamlessly. So.
1: I seen. to remember seeing a um a donkey uh, um video game donkey video about that. That was really interesting and compelling. Um, it looked like a really fun, snappy game with a lot of like pretty creative uh mechanics of like speed running and parkour kind of combined and in, in kind of fresh ways that I hadn't seen before.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I haven't. I want to check out that video now. I think I've seen it, but didn't haven't watched it.
1: Yeah, it's hilarious, <laughs> as always.
0: Yeah. It's got a nice thing of, like, you can get through the levels and then there's, like, special, like, super harder to accomplish versions of going through the same level, right? To get certain unlocks. I don't know. It looked nice. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Exactly. (laughs)
1: Well, I haven't personally been playing much as well these days. I, I, I'm kind of with you, Dan, in a bit of a rut. But um, I did sign up. I, I signed up for a beta. I don't know if I'm in it yet or not. But I want to check out the uh, the Dune Awakening MMO that was announced uh, just recently at Gamescom. Oh yeah, um, and this is uh, only because I've just been uh, reading Dune, and it's it's great. And I want to I want to go and inhabit that uh, that bizarre sort of pagan desert world
0: (laughs) yeah do you know much about like what i mean can you be like any size of worm or do you get to change the color of your worm
1: or my my suspicion is that uh uh, no spoilers or anything but i'm guessing it would be pretty far into the game before anyone gets to actually play as a worm um i've I've, i'm on book three of the series right now and no one is a worm yet (laughs) wait a minute by book three yeah, by book three. There's no worm yet. No but, worm? Not yet, but I, I think there's a chance that later in book three, we might, it might happen. I'm not okay, sure. Okay, yeah, I guess, yeah, we don't need to go into spoiler territory. Yeah, because I, I really don't know yet. So if okay. you know, say nothing. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I'm mostly interested in it because it's made by um, Funcom. And I've, I've kind of enjoyed their, their offbeat um sort of also ran MMOs
0: <laughs> which, <laughs> which is best be their
1: tagline yeah exactly. <laughs> also ran MMOs <laughs> which is maybe not the most flattering way to describe them but um I do actually say that from a place of of like sincere affection you know um but uh but yeah anyway that, I'm not really playing it obviously cuz it's not out yet but I did sign up for the beta and if I get in I will let you know um the extent to which I am a worm. (laughs) Yeah. I think
0: (laughs) I'd probably be like a mid-sized worm probably. And then I'd focus on like eating, like I wouldn't eat vehicles. I would eat, I'd eat mostly people.
1: Okay. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. And you'd have lots of options, I think. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And it, well, and I understand it, like the worms I I am as far, I'm far enough into the book series to know that the worms originally started as something called a sand trout. And so I think the, it would be a pretty compelling, you know, power, uh journey to scale through going from sand (laughs) trout (laughs) yeah to you know bus devouring worm um
2: i forgot they were called that that's amazing yeah they start as sand trouts.
1: anyways um so really (laughs) that's really not about a game i'm playing it's more just about my thoughts on dune and also funcom
0: yeah do you know anything about like the pe recycling mechanic uh (laughs)
1: I do not know that uh that that was strangely not in their promotional announcements. <laughs> what were the bullet points on the side of the box games? I
2: also, mean, if I
1: get to know
0: how to recycle my body fluids or yeah. my choices of what type of worm I want to be, what's what's in this game?
1: Yeah, as as I understand it, the, the game is uh based both on the books and Dennis Villeneuve's um interpretation, like cinematic interpretation. Oh, and, and, uh, those, the suits in the movies, um, they're, they're wicking sweat. Um, they're, they're not, they've been a little bit, uh, defanged for, <laughs> for me. I mean, I think they just failed to mention it, at
0: least in my head canon, they just failed to mention it because they just, okay. yeah, Yeah. they think, sidestep it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, I mean, for sure. there's no way that like, you know, the, the Fremen are like getting out of those suits to like do a number two right they're keeping it on it's a desert environment
1: i suppose that's true i suppose yeah. that's
0: true yeah yeah well anyways <laughs> thanks everybody for joining us on today's podcast <laughs> i think i think we covered a lot of important topics so that's i appreciate true. It. Yep.
1: Yeah. still see mechanics <laughs> uh, what they do or don't do yeah. Um, all right, leaving it at that, um, and hustling headlong into the actual content of this podcast. <laughs> um, so, um, <laughs> yes, a brisk, a sprint where you guys are like sort of in a wagon that I'm pulling. Um, all right, so um, <laughs> the the project that we wanted to talk about today is Roboco Sports League, Um so this is a project that we have been developing since um, earlier in 2022 um, on, like I said, the Roblox platform. Um, right now, um, it's sort of in a I would you know alpha-ish phase, although it's moving along very very quickly. Um, it's uh, hugely inspired by our robotics sandbox game uh, Roboco, which is coming out on Steam in Q4 2022. Um, Like that game, it includes a roster of robot parts that you can pull from and you use those parts to um, sort of devise and construct a robot. And then you as the player pilot that robot around and uh, basically explore different challenges that you uh, tackle with that robot. And then depending on how effective you are at those challenges, um, you might go back and iterate or you might uh, start telling all the other people in the, in the game, what your secrets are, um, and teaching them how to make such a cool and flawless robot, like you just did. Um, so I, as I mentioned earlier, um, Colin is, uh, the, um, lead designer on that project, um, for, like I said, RoboCo sports league. Um, we are involved in a few other, um, Roblox projects. Um, and so, you know, this is, um, as a part of an initiative that they started earlier this year, um, or actually late last year in November, um, called the Roblox Community Fund. Um, this was something that um, David and Eric, the co-founders of Roblox, um, kind of had in mind from the very beginning. Um, they set out uh, with Roblox to, meet, to create a platform that um, really... Inspires hands-on experiences and problem-solving in collaboration, um, really unlocks player agency towards creative outcomes. Um, they kind of base that on a theory called construct- constructionism, um, which was uh, first defined by um, an MIT scholar, um, Seymour Papert. Um, And they still use that uh, to this day. So the idea behind the Roblox Community Fund is to basically fund different projects um, that would help empower students and educators to use Roblox platform to explore learning online. Um, So in addition to this project that we're working on, um, you know, as a as our own title, um, which is RoboCo Sports League. Um, We're in the process of uh, exploring a few other project opportunities with other clients. Um, Those are still kind of in process, so we can't really get explicit about them. Um, Another one that we can mention, though, is the uh, Mission to Mars project that we're working on with the Boston Museum of Science. Um, So, you know, overall, the vision here is basically to um, formalize Roblox uh, and all the the power of that platform and the existing student affinity um, for that platform and sort of harness all of that towards formal educational goals. Um, We've seen a lot of this already occur with Minecraft education. There's a lot of precedent just in the games industry for this, taking a game that is sort of youth-oriented, sort of sandboxy and open-ended and uh, hugely popular already with young people um, and drawing on that popularity to get students more engaged in a learning environment. Um, so that's kind of the overall like background of this project and the Roblox community fund. Now we're going to get into the actual discussion about RoboCo Sports League. Um, so getting into the actual uh, discussion about RoboCo Sports League, um, as I'd mentioned, it was inspired by RoboCo Classic. Um, like RoboCo Classic, it's being made in collaboration with First. So um, they're weighing in on the different challenges we're designing um, and the different kind of pedagogical philosophies we're applying to the challenges, making sure that it's um, at least uh, in spirit very similar to the real world robotics challenges that we see from first. Um, so, so Colin, um, I think for the first question I have for you just about the game is for you to just kind of describe the high level design and premise of it um, so folks can kind of get an idea of like what, what the game involves currently.
2: Yeah, for sure. I'll try to do that without be hashing too much of what you just said, because that was a great introduction. Um, but yeah, it's basically RoboCo on Roblox. Um, we're trying to like yeah um, preserve as much of that experience as we reasonably can. Um, the goals are very similar too. Um, I'm just going to say them because uh, we've got them in the memory banks, and I like this a lot. It's, it's to make en- uh, engineering more affordable, accessible, scalable, and fun. Um and yeah, so in this game, uh, when you join, you're given a build zone, and it's really similar to the one that you might be familiar with from RoboCo if you played that game. It's basically a blue square that acts as your canvas for your robot. Um, and the building in this game is a little bit different. It's if you've played Minecraft, it'll feel very familiar. Um, you're you're building inside of a what's essentially a voxel grid, and clicking to place blocks down, and then. Um, you can switch to a different tool and click again to erase them. Um, and, and this game, instead of building terrain, you're building uh, robots. So you've also got parts like um, DC motors and servo motors and pistons and linear actuators and suction cups and things. And, um, and you can hook those parts up to keys on your keyboard or buttons on the mobile interface to um, yeah, basically design your own custom functionality. And I kind of like to think of it as you're engineering your own superpowers. So in Roblox, by default, you you get an avatar, and all you can kind of do is uh, run around and jump. But yeah, in this game, you can kind of think of other things that would be cool to do and try to build a robot that can do them. Um, You can make a really fast car. You can make a robot that just climbs up a wall. Um, You can try to launch your friend like a cannonball. So. (laughs) So, it's basically like the the Tony Stark model for
1: superheroism, you know, outsourced <laughs> to machinery that you attach directly to your body.
2: That is exactly right. Yes.
1: <laughs> All right. Cool. So, you mentioned that, um, it, you know, it's it, as much of the original Roboco experience as possible. Um, I'm curious about, like, the ways that it differs. Um, obviously, uh, Roboco, the original version, is being developed in Unity. And the Roblox platform is essentially a game engine unto itself. And so it has sort of different rules and different affordances that we have to align ourselves to. Can you speak to that a little bit?
2: Mm -hmm, Sure. Yeah. So kind of the most prominent thing about Roblox is that it's um, online multiplayer. And so that's a big difference from RoboClassic. It also comes with its own opportunities and challenges. Um, Yeah, multiplayer is great for engagement and replayability, but... Uh, the the network and the the engineering side of making that work is pretty complicated Um, and there's also the potential for a griefing which we can talk about more later Um, yeah so uh, being on Roblox also means that the game needs to include the Roblox avatars so the way we've done that is you're kind of you can put down a seat part that you basically are sitting in when you're operating your robot so it's really like you're Creating more of a robotic vehicle rather than like a robot of the sort you'd create in RoboCo. Sure. But they're very similar. Um. And then yeah, all or most most of the successful Roblox, Roblox games anyway are also mobile games. So we want to make sure that we're designing an interface that works well on that platform as well. Um. And that's great for accessibility, making 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 it so players can play. Um kind of anywhere they are and in in shorter time chunks too so Uh,
0: yeah yeah i was curious like i've played a fair amount of clicking on things in the roblox interface and going into a space and seeing what's going on and you know i think there's like a common set of very core verbs in roblox right it's almost always you load in you load in with your roblox avatar um Almost every game by default is some type of like obstacle course or a battle or, you know, it's a space that you can run around in. Occasionally you can shoot other people. Occasionally you can get into vehicles, but it's mostly like, uh, mostly like some kind of like semi-competitive maze or, or other kind of like ex- space exploration platformy type problem space i I probably not like fair to say that's like all Roblox games, but I think it's fair to say that's most Roblox
2: games. Yeah. it's so, Certainly what the engine is good at. And yeah, if you're you know, designing a game for the first time, especially it's what you want to kind of the constraints you want to work within.
0: Yeah. So I just kind of wondering, like from your perspective, Colin, like how much is our game sort of adaptation of Roboco? How much are we meeting? Uh, your average Roblox player's expectations for that space? And in what ways are we kind of like challenging those expectations?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think we're, we are challenging them a fair bit just because, um, yeah, kind of the meat of of the game and the part we want you to engage with. You're, you're really not concerned about your avatar too much. You're really thinking about, um, these parts and what you can do with them. And how to interact with that thing you've made, um, how that thing interacts with the environment. So yeah, it is like definitely going to be a a mental shift for a fair amount of players to, yeah, come into this game and then kind of see what it's expecting of them and figure that out.
0: Interesting. Yeah,
2: I think I've thought about a
0: lot because I think a lot of Roblox. I think people think about Roblox as like I play Roblox. And sure. to an extent, that's not true. When someone says they, they they play Roblox, they're thinking of the specific places inside Roblox they're going to, and then those have specific verbs. But in another way, it is true. And that <laughs> people do expect the Roblox experience to have a bunch of things that happen over and over and over in very common ways. So yeah. uh, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, I My follow-up question is, um, what kinds of worms can you be?
2: <laughs> oh, man. I, I can answer in the positive for that. Yeah, oh, you can totally yeah. build a worm. There you go. <laughs> All back. Got him. <laughs>
1: So we've talked about you know the how the game's going to differ from Roboco. we've talked about uh, some of the advantages of working on the Roblox platform um, but what are some of the challenges that you're encountering as you work on the project um obviously like we're we're sort of breaking new ground in a lot of ways, and so is roblox um, in terms of creating something that can be used in more formal education applications um so you know what what are you seeing in terms of uh, the challenges and how you kind of overcame them or thought about them to uh, bring them a solution?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so one of them is, I, I mentioned the mobile thing earlier, and, and that's good for accessibility, but it's also certainly a challenge for design. Uh, so, yeah, it's it really limits the amount of screen, screen real estate we have. Um, a comfortable text size on a desktop uh, resolution monitor is not comfortable on a phone. So yeah, Mm. we can kind of not put as much stuff on the screen at once. Uh, And mobile players don't have keyboards. So we also have to display those buttons on the screen. And uh, we're, we're, we've also found that we need to limit the amount of controls that the player has for that reason. Um, Yeah. Could
0: you talk a little bit about, uh, I heard about this actually just this last week. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about, uh, Localized physics modeling? Because that blew my mind. This is a fun, like, nerdy sub-fact of the Roblox engine that I was shocked to hear about.
2: Um, Let's see. Yeah, what, what do you mean by localized physics modeling?
0: As it was explained to me, like, uh, when you're inside a Roblox environment, y- you as the client will be actually doing the physics modeling for things that are nearby you. So, like, a ball... For example, but if you like launch that ball away from you, and then another player becomes the player that that is now closest to that player takes over the physics modeling on their side, their client side, and now someone else is updating the physics of that object.
2: Uh, oh yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Like, that's exactly right. It's called the the way I've heard it described is the distributed physics engine. Yeah, yeah, and I think they do that because. It, it, it reduces the need for like a really, really powerful server to make all those computations. And the different players that are in the experience can kind of share that computational load among each other. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what the thing is. But <laughs> yeah, as we've discovered, it definitely, definitely involves some challenges for um, getting that to work really well in a game that kind of depends on it to work in a very core way right. like yeah a game of I don't know launching a ball <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly
1: um it's really yeah. interesting i know that uh peer to peer networking architecture is increasingly popular um mm-hmm. for games that are sort of massively multiplayer or semi massively multiplayer some like kind of subset of that um i know it does obviously it creates a lot of advantages um on the producer side in terms of the cost of your network infrastructure um but yeah it's um it sometimes creates uh you know challenges for stability and um you know things like this where it's like if if the if the uh physics are being calculated like in a peer-to-peer fashion and they're essentially they're passing the physics calculation alongside the ball itself <laughs> from player to player. Um, it creates uh, some very interesting latency issues that we're, um, that we're grappling with and, and bringing to a solution. So it's the you know, very interesting like, learning curve just in terms of uh, network architecture and oh. how, that's, how that stuff um, impacts the, the player experience in a multiplayer scenario. Um, I know like that I've played multiple games. Um, I know, uh, Grand Theft Auto works in this way. I know Elite Dangerous works to an extent in this way. Um, certainly, uh, Animal Crossing rather famously has <laughs> the kludgiest peer-to-peer multiplayer networking <laughs> system. Oh, possible. sure. Yeah. Oh. Um, so the, th- it is, it's increasingly popular because, uh, of the, um, escalating costs of server maintenance
2: mm-hmm.
1: so it, you you find a, a, it, to me it's a fascinating balance because there's a tension in terms of the quality of the user experience and the affordability of the user experience for the person who's providing it right so
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, it, it, it's very it, that to me is like kind of a frontier of game designing development which is like you know how like what is the future of, of synchronous multiplayer look like? who bears the primary cost and like what level of fidelity are players willing to tolerate (laughs) or like, what will they demand? Um, It's really interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think it has interesting ramifications for us too.
0: Right. Because you know, the physics, if the engine is making different decisions about how it renders physics based on things like player location, like we're, uh you know we're not we're not trying to make like a hardcore physics simulator but we are expecting people to think about the properties of matter and weight and momentum like we Mm -hmm. want people thinking about problem solving with some of the ideas of physics in mind and you know and you can imagine you know if you're trying to think of like what are interesting robotics challenges to build a lot of them might be things like yeah like let's launch can you can you build a catapult to launch an object into a very specific target? And it just gets weird if like that if that catapult works more reliably because you put another player to stand near the target, <laughs> uh, or or you have to make sure that nobody's standing near the target so you don't hand over the physics model. It has like interesting like uh, interesting ramifications that we just have to be extra careful about because. We want players to. We want players to grapple with those problems in a way that is, we'd rather it was closer to real life rather than further. So it's I don't, It's interesting.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's. I mean, it's funny too because it's like kind of a. a I guess last point on it is it's sort of like a, a simulated uh, instantiation of like the observer effect in quantum mechanics you know oh uh, sure yeah it's like it's like you think about simulation theory about real life and it's like is the observer effect just like some kind of crappy peer-to-peer physics engine latency <laughs> that you you <laughs> find at the very very microscopic levels i don't know oh brandon oh, we should make wow. a roblox game <laughs> in which which trees fall but only when no one's logged in well <laughs> all right excellent yeah i mean See. that that sounds like it makes itself <laughs> Yeah, I mean who who can't wait to play that game? Yeah, exactly. I mean we just make the login screen, say don't yeah. touch this, game's made. Well,
0: um, I, well you, what what would is you go in and then you leave and you come back 2 days later and you come back more trees have fallen over. Oh, okay. Got you. I got yeah. you. Right. I and mean, then you're allowed to uh, offer your opinion on a forum about whether or not they made a sound. It's like a clicker that you don't even click. Yeah, it's a no, it's a no clicker. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it just like, yeah. is.
1: Yeah, Uh, no clickety. (laughs) No no clickety, no doubt, my friend. All right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So um, let's see. So, you know, I think um, I want to switch a little bit to the content that's like currently in the Roblox game. I'm interested about just like what we're currently working on. So um, tell me a little bit about the challenges that are like currently in the game and then like what's what's next, what's planned um, on the development roadmap.
2: Sure. All right. So yeah let's see we've got i would say mm, four and a half that are playable right now um the fifth one is 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 getting there, but we've got a fountain in the middle. it's kind of a cooperative challenge where um there are a whole bunch of marbles strewn around the place, and the players can uh build contraptions to collect them onto the robot and then somehow get them into in, inside the fountain in in one of the three tiers um so they're in most cases, building, like, a shooting device for that. Um, That one's pretty neat. There's also kind of a soccer game that's going to be really familiar if you've played uh, Rocket League. Um, There's also one where you're um, collecting sheep and putting them back into their pens, usually kind of aggressively, (laughs) by hurling them over there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there's one where you're, like, Driving around a skate park trying to collect glowing orbs. Um, and you we're know, working on a couple variants of that one. That one's turning out really cool. And yeah, the fifth one, the one that's in half in development, is uh, you are in a canyon that's flooding. So you have to try to, f- try to find a way to get high enough so that you don't get covered in water. Um, so yeah. Cool. So a lot of, yeah, a variety of neat physics based challenges um that are they're uh kind of more actiony than the roboco ones i would say that roboco ones are kind of puzzly sometimes you've got to like figure out how to do something like light a fire and these it's more the emphasis is more on um kind of the skills of pi- piloting your robot um and intera- in- interacting with other players either in a competitive way or a co- uh, cooperative way gotcha
1: so I'm curious, like when, you, when you're like kind of balancing these, um, what is the tension between, you know, I know like when we talk about first, they have this concept of cooperation, you know, how are you kind of Im- infusing that idea into these challenges? Because I know you're, you're kind of saying instead of the sort of strategic puzzly nature of Roboco Classic, we're, we're more uh, emphasizing teamwork and reaction and like skilled play and that kind of thing in Roboco sports league. So how, you know, how do you balance that tension between cooperation and competition?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I think kind of the most obvious the way that we do it is just like provide those two options. Just like, yeah, straight up, make sure, uh, some or half of the challenges are actually cooperative challenges where the whole point is to kind of work together towards one goal, uh, Um, so that's kind of a, a really easy way, but I think more to your point about, um, yeah, the way what's first is trying to do is actually make, um, sports that are competitive also kind of involve cooperation in a, in a good way. Yeah. And so that one's trickier, but, um, I think like one rule of thumb that I've fallen back on is kind of trying to put in catch-up mechanics so that one team, can't just kind of run away with the game. And there's a little bit of a, a rubber banding effect that uh, keeps the other team in it at all times. Maybe the challenge gets a little bit easier for that team. Um, and it kind of scales by how much they're losing by. So that's uh, that's one way you can kind of make that work a little bit. Just blue uh, shells everywhere is basically yes. what you're saying. You beat me to it, Brandon. I was like,
0: yes, blue shells to like nuke your, uh, nuke <laughs> your bot as it's clinging to the cliffside. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah yeah and then yeah there's uh first has a common mechanic where like at the end of the challenge um both of the teams have to cooperate on just like a little mini challenge that's within the challenge and if Mm -hmm. if if they manage to do it they both um score better and are kind of ranked better in the overall rankings oh that's really interesting yeah, so that's an idea that we haven't been able to implement implement in RSL exactly, but I'm like, I'm, I'm waiting for. My chance to put that in one of these challenges got it
1: got it it's like cool. it's like the opposite of like the end of a game of risk where like the last two people now they have to try, <laughs> turn on each other <laughs> right
2: yeah exactly turn the anim- animosity up to 11.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right awesome um well I, you know that that's a, a super exciting um kind of overview of the project um i can't wait to see uh when it comes out um i do know that we're Still pretty early days with it, not quite ready to stand up the web presence, not, not quite ready to sort of put it out into public um, domain, but um, definitely stay tuned on the Filament Games Twitter and blog. That's where we'll be announcing that stuff um, as, it, as it takes shape. Um, there will very likely be early access uh, and playtesting opportunities for that game. So if you're interested in trying it out, um, testing it with your friends, uh, definitely keep an eye on uh, the Film and Games uh, Twitter and blog. Um, we do have the Roboco Sports League Twitter. Uh, it is it is up and live. Um, it's, it's pretty quiet these days because like I said, we're still um, in the process of just doing the earliest stages of development on the game, um, but uh, that is also a place where you can follow along with the progress of this uh, project. Um, so you know that concludes our our quick overview of Roboco Sports League. super exciting. Thank you, Colin, for uh, talking us or walking yeah. us through um, all that interesting uh, development content i'm I can't wait to see how it's uh, gonna look when it comes out i've I've done a lot of play in there for just like uh, early video generation and stuff, and it's super cool. Um, it it really is amazing to have multiplayer kind of out of the box with that game, driving around with your friends and their robots is is super, super cool. So can't say enough about that. Yeah, thank you. Um, and so uh, the last segment of our podcast is the game design or rarities section where we talk about uh, different games that are sort of off the beaten path, unusual, weird, uh, unheard of or just something we felt like talking about. Um, So um, we had a couple of options for today that we wanted to talk through. Um, The first is Getting Over It with Benjamin Foddy. Uh, Dan Norton's going to talk about that one. And then, uh, Colin, if you wanted to uh, share any final thoughts about Neon White, I know that was another one we wanted to maybe quickly touch on here. Um, So Norton, tell me about Getting Over It with Benjamin Foddy. Oh, man.
0: All right, so you're a man okay you are in a cauldron you you functionally have no legs your torso is rounded off in a metal container okay you have a sledgehammer the sledgehammer is something you cannot let go of you're holding it with both hands at all times okay so ultimate power fantasy is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is a <laughs> yes typical right. male power fantasy. Uh, so, uh, getting over it. The premise of the game is that with this horribly difficult l- mode of locomotion of swinging this hammer and pulling yourself up ledges and and thrusting with it to jump, shimmy, crawl, scrape, you have to traverse an impossibly tall and difficult environment. And there are no uh, checkpoints. Uh, You can turn off the game and turn it on again, and you'll be where you were. So it doesn't reset if you quit. But if you fall, uh, which you will, uh, you may fall all the way back to the beginning. And then you have to start over again. Um, the only way to beat getting over it is to hone your positive growth mindset <laughs> and work on your self-therapeutic management techniques to control <laughs> expectations, uh, believe in your sense of perseverance, uh uh rationalize your losses, maximize your progress and sense of gain and uh and ultimately win. Disclaimer, I haven't done it yet. Uh, <laughs> I am working on it though. Um uh my strategy has been and this is funny because this is actually also a positive growth mindset as I work I will put in maybe 5 10 minutes at a time. Uh and then turn it off again so i won't i won't overextend my focus and capabilities to the point where i make a bunch of mistakes and get angry at myself and then decide to keep playing until i at least get back to where i was (laughs) i will just play while i feel like i'm giving my best and if i've hit a fatigue point i turn it off even
1: if i am behind where i was now does it leave you where you were like in between play sessions, okay. Always, yeah. So you're right where you were. That's good to yes. know. Yeah, there. I mean, when always... you describe it, uh-huh. when, you, when you describe it that way, it sounds like the best possible life preparation simulator I can think of. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's essentially developing your skills for tolerating the experience of being alive. Um, yes. Uh, while cool. you play, also Ben Foddy, uh
0: actually provides direct voice narration okay uh, he he talks, about? talks about different only well, talks about resilience uh he talks a little bit actually has some pleasing stuff about uh like the environment's kind of built out of junk and so he talks about like games and how sometimes games you know lean on asset stores with pre-rendered assets that you know seemed like a shortcut but ultimately make the world feel lesser uh talks about a lot of stuff okay and then sometimes when you fall, it'll be like, oh no, you fell to the bottom. I guess you'll have to start over. Things like that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, not, he's not trolling you. Or maybe he is. It's <laughs> hard to say. Yeah,
1: uh, it depends yeah. on where you're at in your personal uh, journey and controlling your emotions, like
2: how yeah.
0: you
1: perceive what he says. I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: So Ben Fadi's made a series of games with things like having awkward controls is like one of these. He's famous for Quop. Okay. Sure. Uh, you know, like on the legendary uh, Quop. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it is. I think it's a. Uh someone asked me recently, like, what's your what do you think is the best serious game full stop? And I don't you know, that's hard to really answer. And mm-hmm. but that's what came to mind, just because I've been so impressed with how the methodology you beat this game has so little to do with be about. good at video games and right. more about can you foster the
1: appropriate attitude to persevere on this game? Well, you talk about how, you know, learning games and serious games, one of the the holy grail outcomes of that is transfer, where you gain a new skill that is transferable to a new context and actually useful there mm-hmm. and the skills you're talking about developing in this game are transferable to literally any context <laughs> so i think yeah. that's a fairly compelling argument for it being uh, a top tier uh, serious game for sure that's
0: an awesome point brandon and i think even to build on that like the like the specific game skill of being like i have gotten better at spinning my sledgehammer in a 360 degree smooth arc to be able to catch ledges while I'm falling is like one of the least transferable game mechanics of all time. There's like no other game that that
1: skill matters in. Right. Like, you know, the thigh power needed to keep a cauldron on your waist with no fat or yeah. anything at all. You know? Yeah.
0: Cauldron hammer based movement is like the most, one of the worst things to like get good at in a game if you want to be (laughs) consider yourself a good gamer yeah it's a terrible verb (laughs) yeah and i actually think that's important it weighs on you when you play it like when you have just lost you know 20 minutes of progress because you spun the hammer wrong (laughs) you part of what you're angry about is why am I even getting good at this anyway? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who cares whether I'm good at swinging a sledgehammer while inside a cauldron? Uh, Is this actually, uh, why, why am I here? Why have I done this?
1: Exactly. And then you find yourself at the start of a podcast, tricking a colleague into taking over your entire career. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And there you have it. There you go. Oh, that's two callbacks. (laughs) Nice. Uh, all right, so Colin, give, what, any final thoughts on Neon White before we close it
2: out? Oh, yeah, I can try to make this brief. Um, yeah. We were talking about, um, oh, no, I need to look at his name so I can try to pronounce it <laughs> Mah- Mahali Six Sen Mahali. Okay. Um, this, he's is got this, concept. this is, I, I think he's a ph- psychologist. Okay. And he came with an, up with an idea called the flow that's sometimes um, uh, brought up in game design. And, oh, sure. And basically what it is, this is going to be hard to describe over audio, but um, there's a graph with um, like, the amount of challenge on the y-axis and the amount of player skill on the yep. x-axis.
1: When we post it, we'll include the graph. So... R- when you're, okay. listening, when you're listening to this, look at the graph in the blog, as, and Colin will describe it to you right now.
2: <laughs> Perfect, yeah. And then there's this band in the middle, and the idea is that as a player in a video game, you're kind of like, you're, you're going up that band, you're going higher on both axes, both the challenge of the, of the tasks expected of you and your skill, and you're kind of ping-ponging between... Um, the challenge is getting too hard for your skill and, the, and your skills getting too high for the challenge. And as you start to like cross the threshold out of the, the center band, you're, you're either becoming too anxious, it's, it's getting too hard for you, or you're becoming bored because your skills are just too high. Interesting. I've never heard a frame that way. Yeah. And so it's like this deeply theoretical thing that um, you kind of learn about and say, huh, that's interesting. But it's difficult to like frame it in terms of your actual experience, and and that was the case until I played Neon White. Neon White kick kind of gave me a really neat framework to like realize that this thing does happen, because I feel like um, like each each time you do an arc of that curve, like one of those arcs is like a level in Neon White, where um, when you start the level you're expected to do it kind of fast. So you're like anxious. You're, it's kind of hard. You're just trying to figure it out as best you can. Um, and you go through the arc and you slowly figure out where the things are, slowly build up the muscle memory to, uh, do it well. And then as, as soon as you start to, as soon as you figured it all out and become bored, you just go to the next level and enter a new arc, um, of the flow diagram. So that was like just a cool way that that, highly theoretical concept like slotted into actual player experience
1: yeah that's really interesting we were talking a little bit last time about how frustrating it can be when you sort of reach the top of a power scaling arc in a game and then the game is just over you know um so it is you know you're right it is like a it's a challenge to kind of keep you in that sweet spot of like pleasing frustration as you know another way i've heard that called where it's like Mm. It, it keeping it pleasing is a matter of keeping it like too like not too frustrating, but also not frustrating, also not not frustrating enough. Mm. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's a it's a very uh, you know it says a lot about human psychology. It's like yeah. Yeah, fr- frustrate me, but just a little. Yeah. <laughs> and do you find like there's is there
0: a difference when you're doing a level when you're trying to think about performing it quickly versus performing it well? It's like you apply a different strategy mm. or.
2: Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, I I'm I found that I don't try to speed run it. Like, the, if if I'm trying to get through the game efficiently, like ultimately, like over this over the course of my entire mm-hmm. um, time on the couch, I like I want to start a level by just like playing it slowly, actually, and like figuring out what's the, what the mm-hmm. optimal path is. Mm-hmm. And then once I've grokked that, that's only when I try to start to dial up the speed the speed part. Yeah, there's a um, there's a saying and. In-
0: I think martial arts and, and sports is often slow is smooth. Oh yeah, exactly. Is fast.
1: <laughs> which I think is yeah. is true. Good for <laughs> disc golf too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, uh, that, I mean, uh, you know, that gives me uh, just another reason to go try that game out. Um, so I have to uh, maybe add that to my list this weekend. Um, yeah, I do have a brief important
0: disclaimer. Yes. What's that? I talked a lot about Ben Foddy's work, uh, and I went to go double check to look for the dates on when when he made Quap, uh, and I realized that Ben is not actually—he uh, goes by Bennett. Oh! Yeah. Oh! Oh! God! All right. Well, I thought Ben will... was a fun way to tighten that up, and I
1: was wrong. It is just oh. Bennett
0: Foddy. So apologies right, no to mistake.
1: Bennett. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well. Uh, good call out, Dan. Yes. Uh, shout out to Bennett fadi <laughs> um and uh yeah that is all the time we had for today um so uh thank you colin very much for coming and talk to us about roboco sports league and neon white and flow and all kinds of fascinating concepts um this has been a great episode and uh my yeah, pleasure thank you yeah it's been a pleasure having you sir and uh yeah we'll uh we'll see you next time tune in next week for another film and games podcast thanks everybody Thanks for listening to the Filament Games Podcast.
0: If you'd like to hear more about games, game-based learning, and what's happening at our studio, subscribe today on iTunes or Stitcher. And be sure to visit us at our website,
2: filamentgames.com.